Good evening. Happy Thursday. This is Talking Sports with Evan. And uh, happy to be here to talk uh, what's going on in the world of sports today. Much better topic than last week where I touched a little bit on what happened in Kansas City during the um, Super Bowl parade. But today I get to talk what's going on in the world of Bucks and Packers and more. And I figured great opportunity. It's been a while since he's been on. Last time we had him on, uh, Griffin was the head coach of the Bucks, and my foot was starting to step onto the uh, Griffin got to go train. I wasn't quite there yet the last time, but I was getting there. And then like a week or two later, he gets let go. Prunty gets named interim, interim coach. Then Doc Rivers is now the coach. And now he's confused on why he got called and saying all sorts of crazy stuff as well. And of course I had to bring special guest uh, from Tosh, Tosh nation, uh, Tr- Tristan Thomas to join us. And before we get into the Bucks and Packers and whatnot. Welcome back to the show. And how are things going? And you know what? Thank you for having me. I know the bat signal went up and I had to answer the call. So I'm glad to be here to chop it up with you. And yeah, it's wild that timeline that you threw down. We've been through two head coaches since the time that we spoke last. And it, it still doesn't seem like there's much clarity with that team currently. So it's it's a little bit wild right now. Yeah. They were winning with they were winning with Adrian Griffin, but as you said the last time you were on, just because you're insert their record doesn't mean you're good. And we've seen an improvement on the defensive side, but the offense is now not playing the great. Your early thoughts on the now Doc Rivers led Milwaukee Bucks before we jump into post All Star game. Yeah, you know, it, we all knew it would be a difficult transition. Anytime you're taking over something mid-season, it's it's going to be very difficult. You don't have a full training camp to implement your style of play, both offensively and defensively. It's not, you know, completely your staff, you know, so you don't have a true brain trust there that you you have to build all that. You also have to build trust with the players and 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 uh, and sell them on why your system is going to be wildly successful so we knew there was going to be a a rough patch there right with with the transition and taking over midway through the season is it a little bit overblown perhaps but when you look at what's going on on the court especially as you mentioned offensively it's leading to a lot of people becoming impatient with doc and then insert all the comments over the past few days it's like okay does he really want to be here does he really want it as Giannis has asked everybody do, do we really want it so it's like I said, it's a wild time for the Milwaukee Bucks currently. Yeah, definitely a wild time. And I'm not going to say the Damian Lillard trade has been a failure thus far. It's giving me some Gary Payton vibes at the moment, but we still have the entire rest of the season for Dame to get locked and ready to go. And maybe the All Star break is just what he needed because boy, did he look like Dame time in Indianapolis for the All Star weekend. Early thoughts on the Dame experiment that we've seen thus far in Milwaukee. You know, it's we knew at the time that he got traded, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time to really build chemistry with the entire team. You knew that was going to be a work in progress. He got traded very, very late, you know, so it it was it was going to be a work in progress working with those two. Uh, Like I said before, the, the Terry Stotts resignation really hurt because he knows 
Dame. He knows how to put Dame in position to work the two-man game. And we've seen the two-man game between the two of them steadily improve bit by bit, little by little, as the season has gone on. But then you factor in, like we when we last spoke, you talked about the the off the court stuff, you know, divorced and you know, he's worried about his kids and, and everything else that's going on. That definitely has weighed heavy on him. He's mentioned that, and you could clearly see that. So I, I'm not getting the Gary Payton vibes. Um, for Gary Payton, you knew he was just not going to be here. He just didn't want to be here. He got traded. He just wanted out of Seattle, but he definitely didn't want to be in Milwaukee. You knew he was going to go the first chance that he got. I don't get those vibes from Dame. The transition, although rough, um, in the end, it's starting to improve. And like you mentioned, this winning three-point contest, winning all-star MVP, just being out on the court with not thinking about anything else that's going on. All the off-the-court stuff, all the uh, the, the nuances of, of playing on a new team with new teammates. He didn't have to think about all that. He could just go out there and play. And maybe it is the refresh that he needed. And hopefully tomorrow night we can we can see a, a, a reinvigorated Bucks team and a, and a better two-man team between Giannis and Dame. Tristan Thomas, Tosh uh, Nation, Tristan on Sports Show, joining the show here tonight and talking with about Dame. Hopefully, he looked like he was having fun at the All-Star break. Looked like he was enjoying himself. Looked like he was having fun shooting the ball, hanging with the teammates, including with Giannis. But he had some interviews during the weekend that raised the eyebrows to some. Didn't raise the eyebrows at all to most, but it did raise the eyebrows to some. And he made the comment of his dream starting five, and he left off a certain teammate of his on his uh, dream starting five. And before I give my view on it, and maybe my tone gave it away, but your thoughts on the dream starting five from Dame, is it a huge nothing burger or is there possibly something we have to raise our eyebrows about? Evan, I'm, I'm going to keep it straight with you. And I, I need everybody to listen. I want you to come in very closely and, and, and listen. Dame should be traded for those comments. No, it's a nothing burger. It's an absolute nothing burger. Like everybody has their, it's subjective. Everybody has their starting five. AI put a starting five out there. Like, you don't hear anybody arguing about that starting five. So it, it, it's, it's, it's so silly, but people are trying to find any little nugget, any little thing to make a mountain out of and just be miserable. It's nothing. He made his dream starting five. Let that man dream. Yeah, and I, I'm in the same cat category. I don't think it, I think it's a big nothing burger. I honestly don't think Giannis even gives it any thought. Dame's yeah. his teammate. He has his goal on winning championships. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's looking to do. And hey, maybe Dame wants to be in Miami. Maybe Dame wants to be someplace else. But right now, he's a Milwaukee Buck. He wants to win. He wants to win a championship as well. We know what that goal is. And as you said, it's subjective. Everybody has their own starting five. And it's a short video clip that may be edited. We don't know the full content, context of what the question was. Like, uh, Jokic was asked his dream European starting five. Mm -hmm. So he gave that answer. So maybe there was a premise to it that got cut. Because we can make any audio, any video sound exactly how we want it to sound exactly. and then stir, stir the pot 
unless I and everything I've read, I've seen, I've heard between you know from every interview that Giannis has done up to this point, Dame has done up to this point. They like each other. They're they're buddies. They get along. They they all want the same thing. If there was anything bef- other than just this that would suggest it could be something besides a nothing burger, maybe I, I look at it a little differently. But every indication I've seen, they're they get along. They're great teammates, and they all they both want to win championship. That's how I kind of look at it. And and at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know. It, it... I mean, who cares if he doesn't have any of his teammates on his dream starting five? I mean, it's it already. <laughs> like, seriously, like he's playing with, he's living the dream, literally. So, I mean, why that make that his dream starting five is already living the dream. I mean, it's like I said, you can doctor a clip to make it sound any way you want to. We don't know the full context of it, but even so, he can name anybody he wants to play with because it's his starting five, his dream starting five. If you have a problem with it, you'll make your own list. But leave that man alone and let him dream. Had the All-Star game on Sunday. Same comments we see all the time. Why should we take it serious if the players don't? The players see this as a vacation, in my opinion. And I've, I've even seen players state that. They're on a break. They're trying to have some fun. They're trying to enjoy themselves at wherever the All-Star game is. If you want to watch a a hour of lockdown defense and fundamentally sound dribbling and passing and whatnot, there's plenty of college basketball games on during All-Star weekend to watch. Do you, do you have any care that the All-Star games kind of turned into a just see what happens when we have the basketball in a hand, like Dame shooting two half-court shots, or do you want to see anything different done? You know, we we know what the All-Star game is. I mean, it's an exhibition. It's it's an exhibition. And we know that with the the explosion of, of offense throughout the league, uh, especially this season, and the way the players feel about it being a vacation, you know, they got friends and family there. They've got all the the who's who of entertainment there to schmooze with them, all the events and everything else. They're not trying to go out there and work hard on the defensive end to try and win an exhibition game. I'll tell you what I do miss and why I don't, I just don't understand why they took it out the all-star game was the target score in the fourth quarter, because that seemed to bring out a little bit of defense in the fourth quarter, which was a custom in, in the fourth quarter of all-star games. So that's that's the way I'm used to seeing it. Like fourth quarter, people used to play a little bit of defense. It used to be a little bit more competitive in that fourth quarter because they wanted to win. But when you take away the target score and you see how offensively latent that the league has become uh, in, in the regular season, much less an exhibition game. I mean, you, you just had to know that that's what's going to happen. If we don't have to work hard on the offensive end, we're just going to go out there, put on an offensive show try to run up the score, you know, break the, you know, break the clock as we used to call it in high school and, you know, go home injury free. Yeah. It's, it, I think the main event of all-star weekend is all-star Saturday night, not the game itself. I think a lot of people have a little bit more competitive spirit in that endeavor, but the all-star game is what it is currently until you incentivize players to play defense. If incentivize a target score, it's not going to change. And I don't really know how you can incentive unless you put money on the line. Money seems to work. 
But I don't really know how you can because the players are, hey, it's it's break time. We're here to have some fun and hang out with other players we normally don't hang out with because they play in Atlanta or Portland or wherever. We get to kind of hang out here. The Bucks put a bid in for the All-Star game, apparently. That's the rumor coming out of it. And the NBA, of course, Monday or Tuesday, come out with new requirements for the All-Star game, which pretty much eliminates Milwaukee from being in contention at all for an All-Star game, as well as the city that just had it and a couple others, more than likely. Is that kind of the NBA telling the Bucks, look, we get it. I know we said you can get the All-Star game when Pfizer is built, but nope, ain't happening. Is that their kind of way of saying that? Because it kind of seems weird. They're like, hey, we want the 27 or 28 All-Star game, and now the league changes, kind of moves the goalpost back a little bit. It's very shady business on the NBA's part because they essentially strong-armed teams like Milwaukee, teams like Sacramento, to build new arenas with that dangling carrot of, hey, you can get an all-star game. Think about all the revenue that's going to come in here and everything else. You get you you build it, and we will make sure they come. And now they're saying, well, <laughs> your tiny little piddly town can't handle all the air traffic and everything else, despite holding multiple political conventions and everything else that they've proven they can more than handle. It's it's shady business on the NBA's part, not just for Milwaukee, but teams like Sacramento and Indianapolis is going to be out of it more than likely after that. And I mean, any other small market, Utah just had it, you know, they're going to be out of it. So I just, I don't understand why you want to penalize your smaller market teams when not only has a team like Milwaukee won a championship recently, have a beautiful new building, uh, have the capacity to host an all-star game and all the air traffic and everything else that comes along with it. Uh, why penalize your small market teams? I just, it, it's shady business on the NBA's part. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of on the, the shady side a little bit. And it's disappointing because we haven't had an all-star game in Milwaukee since the infamous uh, baseball tie when Miller Park, now American Family Field, was first built. We get Pfizer. And we pretty much get promised one. And then it's like, oh, got him with the goalpost back a little bit. Milwaukee's been spending time rebuilding down the city of Milwaukee and the Bucks have been rebuilding downtown, up up upping the hotel values, the the hotel rooms, the area around the old Bradley Center is built up. There's a few new hotels there, and now it's like, yeah, these hotels aren't good enough. Sorry. Too bad, so sad. My guess is they want it in places like pretty much Vegas and maybe like the Pro Bowl is found, uh, you know, their home. Maybe they want Vegas to be the all-star game home moving forward because we saw how well the Super Bowl did there. Maybe that's what yeah. it is. I think they'd want it in these bigger market kind of areas, you know, L.A., Las Vegas, you know, Miami places like that. And it's like, why kowtow to all these celebrities and everything else that you want there because you just want the exposure, which, you know, it, it equals cash. I mean, I can't front, you know, I can't knock the hustle, but 
when you see this influencer or you see this celebrity there and, you know, they don't want to come to Milwaukee or, or they don't want to come to Utah, even though all of them came to Utah and, you know, all, the, all of them came to Indianapolis, you know, forget Milwaukee, um, they will come. You know, if, if, if they love the NBA, they can get some exposure and it's mutually beneficial. They will go wherever. But it, it, like I said, it's really shady business on the NBA's part to really why do you hate your small market team so much? I don't understand. I just don't understand. You do everything in your power to make sure that they cannot be a power. And I just, it's, it's, it is disappointing. As you said, it's disheartening. Um, it is very, very shady on their part. And sticking to the buck, the post, I don't want to say second half because we already reached and passed the halfway point of the season a while ago, but post all-star break bucks in action tomorrow night. You think they're on the West Coast with the tip-off time of 9 o'clock, playing Minnesota right across the river. But they, I guess it's nationally national TV game, and they decided to give the Bucks the late game with the Timberwolves. Last time they played, Dame didn't play against the Timberwolves, The and the Bucks just did not look good. Middleton's still going to be out a couple more games with his ankle. What are your expectations coming out of the break? I'm hoping that they come out hot so the national talking heads can simmer down on their just nonstop of now we have rumors that the Golden State Warriors are going to make a huge push for Giannis this offseason when he just signed an extension. All the Doc Rivers uh, talk, you know, slander, I guess I'll call it, from J.J. Redick. I know Redick might have, you know, he's played with Doc. He knows, you know, what it's like to play for him, but maybe he – has some, you know, hidden agenda there because him and Doc butted heads. I don't know. But I, I would love to see them come out of the gate playing good basketball, stack up some wins, may, play like the championship team we thought they would be playing like. What are you expecting out of the break, or are we just going to see more of the same that we saw going into the All-Star break? Yeah, hitting on J.J. Redick. I mean, I, I, he and I will forever have beef for the way that he conducted himself as a Milwaukee Buck. Yeah, just absolutely pathetic. Um, yeah. Maybe he does have an axe to grind with with Doc Rivers. Uh, who knows? But I mean, he 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 was just he's just been on one the past few days. So let him be him. But That's Doc Rivers' job too, and now he's even on one more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it was like you wouldn't have had that job had Doc not left. So one more thing that Doc has done for you in your career. But I digress. You know, it's. I hope, as you do, that they come out hot, and, and not so much for the talking heads because they're they're going to talk regardless. You know, they they absolutely love the quiet the, the quiet them down a little bit though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you know they'll find something new to Nick pick, like your, that starting five of dames and and all that. But they'll find something new. But it, it's I hope they come out hot as you do, uh, just just for their sake, just for their psyche. You know, I'm hoping that that the guys really sat down and and took heed and, and really just asked themselves, okay. Do I want it? You know, as Giannis said, you know, do we do we really want it? You know, how is the rest of the season going to go? Are we going to continue to toil away? Are we going to continue to throw away something that could potentially be special? Or are we going to knuckle up, go out there and, and win ball games and be the best ball club that we know we can be? So I'm hoping they they took stock of themselves and, uh, and of each other and of the team and, and what they need to do and to come out way better than how they went out because that first 10 games with Doc Rivers was rough. Definitely rough. They bring Pat Beverly in at the deadline, signed a, 
uh, buyout person who not going to bring you a lick of defense, but he can shoot a little bit. Yeah, Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, yeah, he's a, they, he shoots lights out. Are is it still Boston and then everybody else, or do the Bucks, uh, bri- you know, bridge that gap a little bit between them and Boston? I, I think it's that Boston is definitely emerged as the favorites to to win it all, without a doubt. Now, make no mistake about it. I still feel the Bucks are true title contenders. I, I I do feel that, but we cannot knock Cavs. The Cavs are a phenomenal team. Have not been fully healthy, but once they do get fully healthy, it's going to be even better. So it, you kind of have to slide them up there a little bit because they've been playing some really good basketball. The healthier they've gotten, and the more they play with each other. So, but I think Milwaukee still kind of bridges that gap a little bit. Boston's been phenomenal. If Milwaukee can figure themselves out and Dame comes back as Dame letting all that stuff go on the outside and just being on that court, that they have potential to take off. But again, we have to see it on the court. And Cleveland is a good team. I don't mean to, I guess, overlook them. It's kind of hard to overlook them since we have to look up at them right now. But <laughs> Cleveland to me is... When LeBron was with the Heat, you had a very talented Indiana Pacers team led with Paul George. Very good team, but they were just missing something. And granted, you had to get through LeBron to get there. But I think even with LeBron wasn't there, I still think they were just missing something to put them over the hump. And that's kind of where I see Cleveland right now. Maybe they need another year or so of everybody playing together. It just To me, it seems like there's just something missing that when push comes to shove, when it's crunch time, that I don't see them being able to get past a Boston or Milwaukee. I maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I, it, to me, there's just something missing there. No, I, I think they would. They they split with Milwaukee this season. So I mean, they they play Milwaukee very very well. You know, Boston is in a class of their own. You know, they, they're going to defend. They're going to go out there. They're going to score. I mean, that's going to be a tough out, you know, if they're even put out, you know. But I can see the comparison. Um, I, I just don't know. They they, they defend so very well, uh, the, the Cavs do. And offensively, they share the basketball. They got a lot of explosive players over there. Guys like, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, guys like Darius Garland. You know, those guys can go off. So it's it's a very intriguing team. We'll see if they can keep up the way that they have been playing pre-All-Star break into the post-All-Star break, but I think they have potential to be a very, very difficult out, uh, even with Milwaukee there. And before we jump to the Packers, I'm going to one last comment here. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Amazon Prime video, they have the new Giannis documentary, a, a Marvel, The Marvelous Journey. To me, it was really well done, really well put together. Makes me ready to go to war with Giannis. Like, I want to go to war with him too now. Like, I'm sure I'll get smoked by everybody, even on the coaching staff. Even the water boy will probably smoke me. But it was just really well done. Have you had a chance to watch that yet or no? I have not had a chance to watch it. I am looking forward to seeing it. I just need to find some quiet time and just really be able to to focus on it. And, uh, you know, I've been hearing really good things about it. I mean, you, it's it's hard to hate Giannis, man. I mean, you, you hear about the story. You see the fact that he's not scared of hard work. Uh, the fact that he's overcome all that and continues to work as if he has none of it. I, I just don't see how you can hate on the guy. 
Yeah, one of the kind of things I kind of had a chuckle in, and I I didn't realize this about the Bucks, and it kind of shows you how far the organization has come over the last decade. They used to practice in the on the grounds of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. The priest who stayed at the Archdiocese would play pickup games after the Bucks finished their practice. Like that's just—is there anything more Wisconsin than that? <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they're where they are now. They have yeah. much better infrastructure. The ownership group's strong, really talented GM that seems to know how to get things done. And Pfizer Forum is remarkable arena, and they have much better looking facilities than they ever did at the old Bradley Center. But yeah, I just had to chuckle at that piece and that. And I won't spoil any more of it for you, but. I, I didn't realize that they shared a gym with priests in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. I didn't realize that. <laughs> so, Packers had their introductionary press conference to their new defensive coordinator in Halfley today. Sounded good. Said all the right things. I'm excited to see exactly what the product looks like once it's on the field. But until then... We don't really know what's going to happen. We don't even know what the roster is going to look like in two months, let alone in September. Your initial reaction, I haven't had a chance to ask you about the hire, but then the press conference today, just your reaction of Halfley press conference today and just overall of him being the D.C. You know, it's you see the things that he did at B.C. where he was the head coach, uh, and that was a college, Boston College, for those of you who don't know. Um, the fact that, that he did wonders with the passing defense, you know, if you have great coverage, that's that leads to chances for sacks and your your front seven being able to get after the quarterback. So in in that regard, it's it's pretty. You're a little bit excited, but on the flip side, it's like, okay, can he make what he did at BC translate to the NFL? And yes, he's been in the NFL ranks before. We know this. But can he do that on this level? Can he make that translate to this level? And like you said, we don't even know what the roster is going to look like. You know, you don't know what's going to go on with Jair. You know, you don't know if the Packers are thinking about getting rid of him or what's going to go on there. You don't know if they're going to be able to resign Keyshawn Nixon. You, you don't know what's going to go on with Darnell's habits. I mean, you just don't know what's going to go on with with that secondary or anybody else on that defense or the entire team as a whole. So, it, it, it although a little bit exciting, it's still you have that pit in your stomach because. Yeah, he's talking great. He's talking a big game, but so did Joe Barry in his introductory press conference. Talking, we want to play fast and aggressive, but then I'm going to stick these guys in zone, and that's what it's going to be. So I'm not saying he's going to do that, but at the same time, we've seen the talk before. Now it's time to get results. So it's a wait-and-see thing for me. One red flag between LaFleur and Halfley's press conferences that I, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch it live. These are all from the beat writers and bloggers who were live tweeting and everything that LaFleur and Halfley said. One red flag kind of stood out to me, and what you just said kind of made the it stand out even more. LaFleur is talking about zone, you know, having eyes on the quarterback and being zone, you know, more zone. Halfley's talking about wanting to be aggressive, playing press man and make things difficult for the wide receivers running their routes. Kind of worries me a little bit. Is it going to be 
Lafleur. So I I felt the hire of Halfley was so Lafleur cannot have to be involved in that room anymore. But just by that comment, it makes me wonder: Is he going to want to be involved in that room? If Lafleur, no, see, here's the thing with Lafleur and his. I don't want to put it out there like that, but you have to think that the way the defense performs with this new defensive coordinator is going to be attached to his job security. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you made the decision to stick with Joe Barry far too long, far too long, defended him up and down. He didn't put up when, a fight with Patton. He said, did, fine, I'll take Patton. He didn't put up a fight. He just said, sure, why not? Not put up a fight with Patton whatsoever. But then you, you stick with a guy who, as you said before, he's 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 been a loser wherever he's gone as far as a coordinator. We're just calling it like it is. It's the truth. He has not done well as a defensive coordinator no matter where he's gone. Hell of a linebacker's coach. He can get those guys a place of good football. But controlling whole defense, no, Joe Barry is not the guy. Now, LaFleur knows he has to get results with Halfley. He knows that defense is going to have to come to play. We still we see all the offensive talent and and the juggernaut they could potentially be. They could go out there and put up some points, <laughs> and, and it's it we 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 salivate at that. But if you're giving up more than what you're scoring, it doesn't matter how good that offense is. He knows that his job security is attached to how well that defense does, but he has to fight the urge to want to be involved in every facet when it comes to the defense. If you wanted to do that, you should have gotten Joe Barry's behind when you saw what he was doing with the defense, constantly putting them in zone, and you're constantly complaining about how they're playing off the line on third and short. I mean, well, then do something about it. That was your opportunity to. Don't let a new guy come in that you decided to hire and try to oversee him when you're not a defensive guy. You're an offensive guy. And I know you have to understand defenses to be an offensive guy. I get it. But defense is his thing. Let him go and implement it. And if you have something to say, you have a problem with it, you as a head coach have every right to step in. But don't meddle from day one. And like I said, that's a red flag for me. Now, LaFleur did get involved with the defense after the Tampa Bay debacle. He did get involved with the defense a little more. You could tell they were playing more four-down linemen at that time. Van Ness's hand was in the dirt a lot more than it was earlier in the year. So it looks like there's something that LaFleur wants to do on the defensive side, and that is why he hired Halfley. I did like there's I talked about the red flag. There's a few things that was said I do like. It's not about the scheme you're running. You can run any scheme you want. Teams are gonna figure out how to beat the scheme. It's about playing a certain style on defense, and Halfley wants to be aggressive. He wants to attack, he wants to tackle which Packers haven't been a tackling team in quite some time. So those are the good to me out of the press conference. But as you said, we got to see it on the field first. Yeah. And, and, and as you mentioned, it's situational football. This is an area I felt that they failed in with Joe Barry and LaFleur did not really do a good job implementing whatever it was he wanted implemented. I don't know what it is. You are the head coach. You have every right to do that. But then you stick with the guy. You complain about it, but then you still stick with the guy for far too long. I mean, you you can't have that again. Otherwise, you're going to be out the door with that coordinator. Last time, Packers did not run a – which the base – the whole base defense talk is pretty much 
doesn't matter anymore because teams typically are in a nickel type package nowadays anyways, majority of the yeah, time. Yeah. But the last time the Packers ran a majority of a four-man front was 2008 was the last year. 2009, Dom Capers came in, took over the defense. They played outstanding in 2010, and then it kind of went downhill from there with Capers. Now they're going to more of a four-man front. They have some down linemen that I think could be good. I think Rashawn Gary and Van Ness are two guys that are going to benefit a ton with their hand in the dirt more often. Absolutely. But there's one guy who I'm kind of curious on how he fits in everything, and that's Preston Smith. And then the linebacking core, because you have Quay Walker, McDuffie, Campbell, may or may not be around. And then you need a lot more. You need better safeties and more safeties than what you've had. There's a lot that needs to be brought in to make what they want to do work. Are they are they making themselves further away from being a legit Super Bowl contender with this move? Or do you think they're actually moving closer to being a Super Bowl contender with this move? They can they can improve the situations, you know, on, on third and short, don't play 10 yards off your guy. You know, I mean, if they can improve the rushing defense, I mean, if this is stuff that LaFleur feels that Hathaway can come in and do, then maybe they move closer. But it's so hard to say that because we don't know what the roster is going to look like. And if you're talking just the guys that are currently there trying to fit into this sort of a scheme. It's really hard to say because maybe some of those guys can play pseudo positions. I mean, you know, we just we just don't know what the plan is as far as what he's trying, what Halfley's trying to implement. So it, it's a it like it's a wait and see thing. It's a wait and see thing. It's so hard to say, like, man, you know, the implemented this type of defense, man, they're they're gonna take two steps back and they're just gonna have to have their offense do everything for them. I don't think that'll be the case, but we have to see it on the field, you know that, and that's that's why it's so difficult. I am excited to see guy how a player like Lucas Van Ness is able to shine in this defense. If we can get even more out of uh, Rashawn Gary out of this defense, and one guy I'm very interested to see is Quay Walker, third year linebacker going to be a third-year linebacker, playing more of that will spot. The linebacking core had very tough responsibilities with Joe Barry, where constantly Campbell, McDuffie, Walker constantly had 330-pound guards in their face pretty much at the snap of the football. But also we have to make sure we get back to our zone, but we also have to attack the run. There is just a lot of issues to me in the linebacking responsibilities under Barry. I'm curious to see what the linebacking responsibilities are with Halfley. And I'm very curious seeing Quay Walker being able to just attack the football from that will linebacker spot in this new defense. That's where I'm at with this right now. Yeah. And it's a great point. It's, it's giving them too much to think about. Players are best when they're able to just go and attack and not have that much to think about. You know, it's it's okay to have complex defenses when you're able to simplify what the duties are. 
and not give too much to do. I mean, they're they're still they're phenomenal athletes, but they're still human. They're not going to be able to do everything that you want to on that singular play. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how they utilize Quay because he's got the speed to cover. He's got the speed to, to attack the run. He's got the speed to get after the quarterback. He's he's going to feast. I think he's he's going to be he's going to he's going to feast in, in this sort of a defense. If I if it's going to go the way I believe it will, that's a guy that's definitely going to benefit. Yeah, and now you just got to figure out how the linebacker room is going to look around him. Isaiah McDuffie, I think, would be more of your mic. And now the question is, do they bring Campbell back? And if they do bring Campbell back, is he your mic? And does that make mm. does that make McDuffie your your Sam or your strong side linebacker? Or does Campbell go out and play that Sam linebacker position? Or do they have to bring in somebody new either in the draft or free agency? Which I think they're going to draft a linebacker, an off-ball linebacker. But I wouldn't be surprised if they bring Campbell back, too, to try to get one more year out of him because you're not saving a lot of money by cutting him. Right. Right. And that's the thing I'll say. I, I, I see some people say, man, Campbell ain't done nothing. He got paid and he's done nothing. He's been hurt. Yeah, he's been hurt. You know what I mean? Like he's been he's been hurt. Like when he's been out there and he's been healthy, he's still been good. Maybe not to the you know the pro level, pro all pro level, but he's still been very, very good. And and like you said, you don't save a whole lot by cutting him. So why not keep him, get another good year of him? Hopefully he stays healthy. Uh see what he could give you in this brand new uh defense. And it, it's gonna be a I think it's going to be a defensive laden draft. I, I really do. It's. I'm not saying all defense. I'm not going to be facetious and say that. Uh, you definitely are going to look at offensive line. You're definitely going to look at potentially running back. Uh, I think the the wide receiver room is pretty pretty loaded at this point. Um, but it's definitely going to be a defensive laden draft to kind of get these guys in here and, and teach them from day one. Brand new defense. They don't have to adjust to anything, and then they just roll within that. Yeah, I think it'll be heavy defense draft again, but what else is new with the way the Packers have been drafting lately? Because if you look at it, you need you need safety and corner help. You have yes. J- Jair Alexander's not going anywhere. He's just not. You're going to owe too much money if you trade or release him with the way his contract is. So he's there. You can't depend on Eric Stokes. He's been hurt more than healthy the last two years. And valentine as well as he did play at times he's a seventh round pick for a reason can he be a all pro caliber starter at some point possibly but anytime you get have someone in the seventh round more often than not you maximize them and they are what they are donald driver mark tauscher being exceptions of that rule so you need corner you need safety can use maybe another d lineman edge rusher is a a quiet no, need nobody's talking about because Barre is going to be out most of the year. Then you got Preston Smith, Van Ness, and Rashawn Gary. You don't have really anything outside of those three with a pass rusher. Now you have some good depth at the defensive line in uh, Carl Brooks, who played really well at times, but I think he's more of a interior defensive lineman. And you could use a nose. I think you could definitely use a one-tack nose tackle type defensive lineman to put next to Kenny Clark. TJ Slayton can play that role, but you don't have a traditional one-tack outside of Slayton. So you got to address that. So I definitely think 
what you said is correct. It's going to be a pretty defensive-heavy draft this season to get things right. Offensively, you could definitely use depth on offensive line. I think Rashid. I saw enough from Rashid Walker to feel he is a legit starting left tackle in this league. Yeah, Zach Tom can start anywhere. Center, yeah. you can improve on, and right guard, you can definitely improve on. John Runyon is likely gone. You don't know if Sean Ryan is the answer there. There's a lineman from Oregon who just – maybe it was Oregon State, but one of those Oregon schools who just wowed at the senior bowl. He's like about 330-pound center, and he just looks incredible at that spot. Tight end, I think you're good with Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave. You do need to find more of that H-back with Josiah Degara likely gone. Running back, they could use Dylan's a free agent. Patrick Taylor's restricted free agent. Emmanuel Wilson is exclusive rights free agent. So you don't have anything outside of Aaron Jones at this moment. I think you draft somebody there to eventually replace Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones isn't getting any younger, and he could fall off a cliff at any time. But I do think you got to look at that wide receiver role because there's really only a few receivers in that room that I'm sold on are going to continue to get better and better and better. And that's your Jaden Reed, your Wicks. I think Romeo Dobbs is what he is, which he's a great football player, but he is what he is. And then your Christian Watson, if he's healthy, is your alpha receiver. I don't know if Bo Melton or Malik Keith are going to get any better. I just don't know. I think you potentially have maximized what they are. And if you can improve the room, you try to improve the room. And there's some receivers in this draft that if you get a chance to get them in your locker room, by all means, go get them. And and, and to your point, I'll say this. A player can be maximized. Okay, that's fine. But the rest of the league ain't stopping them. And they don't know where you're going with the football. Yeah. Then, then by all means, I mean, I'm, I'm. That's why I'm not particularly worried about the wide receiver room. I am not worried about it. Like you said, if you go and find a stud at wide receiver, you absolutely go and you take that shot. You go and get that guy. If Watson can stay healthy, that changes this offense. And we've seen it. Uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs, yeah, he maybe is what he is, but he had nine touchdown receptions and he make oh, all I'm the not, tough catches. And you I'm know, not so saying- it's. I'm not saying move on from Romeo Dobbs. He's a very, he's like your James Jones. He's a very solid receiver that Jordan Love's going to go to in crunch time. Right. So, so I mean, it's there. it's why I said you know I'm not really worried about that room. And it's, and then you got two tight ends that you could throw the football to in Musgrave and and uh, and uh, Tucker Craft. So it's like you know you you're pretty good with receiver now if you can improve it by all means please go and do that if you can find an alpha they'll just come out of nowhere and they're going to be consistently be that uh year in and year out absolutely going to get that really too worried about as far as who's who's going to be getting the football from from jordan love if he could spread it around and they can't key in on one guy and you got other guys going off I'd much rather have that than to have one guy they're going to be able to clue in on and the rest of those guys can't do a damn thing. Yeah, and your read, again, your your read, your Wicks, your Watson, to me, those are alphas. Like, those are guys that I think are going to be 
number one wide receivers when if Watson can stay healthy and then if Wicks and uh, Reed continue to develop, I think those can be your number one targets, definitely. I think you can improve the ed- if the the edges of the room, but I'm not gonna I'm not going to make it a priority and go look for that guy. But if that guy happens to fall to me, I wouldn't be opposed to improving the bottom half of that room if I could. But I'm not gonna like go look for it. Like I'm not trading up for Marvin Harrison Jr. at this point. Right. No, I'm not spending draft capital. I like Marvin like Harrison that. Jr. I'm not trading up for him. <laughs> That's been a draft capital on that. We have far too many other needs. So it's yeah. that's why I think I think for the first time in a while, I think think the front office is like, okay, we're okay in that regard. Like I think if the guys continue to go on the path that they're on, um, we're good. But obviously we're gonna take the next, you know, the best available. And if that guy is a wide receiver and he, he can help us and, and and grow to be something, by all means we're gonna take him. But we're not sweating it. Yeah, but I do think you have to leave the draft with an Aaron Jones type running back. And what I mean yes. by that is a guy who can block, can catch the ball out of the backfield, has the you know good vision. Basically, he's going to be the guy you groom. That because I don't think Jones. I think this is Jones last year in Green Bay. They're going to restructure his contract, and I don't think he's in Green Bay beyond this coming season. He struggles to stay healthy, which I love Aaron Jones, but he struggles to stay healthy, but he has an element to his game that this offense needs. So you need to find the uh, back similar to what Aaron Jones can give you. So if one Aaron Jones gets hurt again and misses some time, you're not losing a lot. Or if you want to save Aaron Jones for certain situations, you're not losing a lot. And two, when Aaron Jones is not your starting running back anymore, you have that guy already waiting in place. Absolutely. The, the guy that they draft has to be ready to play. Yeah. He absolutely has to be ready to play. Because if you do lose A.J. Dillon, which, you know, as much as I love A.J. Dillon, he isn't quite what we thought he was going to be outside of, you know, his first year. You know, he, he was – I just – I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it just – Whatever it was, they um, but Aaron Jones, I feel they maximize Dylan is. Yeah, he may have. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, AJ, you know, he. I mean, the AJ. Well, not AJ, but Aaron Jones. <laughs> that is AJ, but Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, he's guaranteed going to miss some games. That's just the way it is. Um, I think the thing that that helps him out, and hopefully, it smacks Lafleur upside the head. The guy had five straight 100 yard rushing games. To end the season that includes two in the playoffs. So for the first time in his career at this ad- advanced age, as we say in sports, it's advanced age at that position, but he's still very young in life. But first time in his career, he's done that. So he's, he continues to get better. But yet, you know, that injury bug and, you know, he's guaranteed to miss a few games because of, you know, hamstring or ankle or something. Um, you, you need to have a guy that's back there ready to play. You cannot be messing around with these guys who barely made the roster. You you can't do that. You need production out of that running back spot because it is vital to what the Green Bay Packers do on offense. Yeah, and thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Bad signal came out. Probably going to come out again. Uh, I'm going to envision probably in a couple weeks. The combine's coming up. The draft's getting closer. And 
free the league year starts. I want to say March fifth. The league year officially opens, so that means free agency money is going to start being thrown around, and that's the stupid money phase, as I like to call it, which the yes. Packers don't tend to participate in, thankfully. But appreciate it. Gonna, I'm definitely going to be reaching out again. Uh, if you want to let the listeners and viewers know where they can find your stuff, let them know. Yeah, uh, com. your home for the Toss brand of sports. Truthful, opinionated, passionate sports is what you deserve. Uh, Toss, Tristan on Sports Show, you can listen to that wherever you get your podcast. So I'm everywhere. Yep, and you can find you on Twitter uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it where? <laughs> at the two zero double. That's at the, the number two, the number zero in the word double. That's, and then I can be found at Evan with Sports. You can find me on YouTube at Talking Sports with Evan as well as on Facebook. Please subscribe and like those pages. I will be doing some exclusive YouTube and Facebook content as we get closer to the draft. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on that. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Podcast will be out uh, probably first thing tomorrow morning. Until then, hope you all enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back. I'll be back at with you all next week.